Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 75 coming at you on Mother's Day, May 12th. Wow. Yes, so happy Mother's Day to happy all, Mother's Day. all the mothers out there or females in general. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big day. So after we film this, I think we're going to possibly have a barbecue upon the request of mother. the mother. The mother. It's Mother's Day. I, I asked the mother what uh, she <laughs> wanted for Mother's Day. She said she'd think about it. So before she got a chance to think too long and hard, I offered the barbecue option, which I was probably going to do anyway. So. And it was accepted. It was accepted. So <laughs> what I was going to do anyway, which is barbecue today, um, now becomes a Mother's Day present at the same time. So well, that's not fair. Why not? It works. <laughs> it's tricky. Well, it's tricky, but after 38 years. Um, I guess. You know. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we are into round three. Both teams are, sorry, both sides of the, uh, or one, two teams from each conference, geez, have played their first game each in round three. Uh, Boston, Carolina was a couple days ago, and uh, San Jose, and St. Louis was last night. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, we'll talk about both series and uh, both first games, I think, maybe a little bit. Yep, absolutely. Uh, go over some, f- some opinions and some projections and some, maybe some predictions as well of how these series will unfold we got a good indication of of uh of i'm just like it's fresh in my mind the san jose game is fresh in my mind it's weird when you see a team we'll just use st louis for example because they're still in uh st louis play a team over and over again like dallas like you when you watch st louis play dallas seven games in a row and then the first period starts of the san jose st louis game and you're like this is weird. Yeah. Why is... What's going on? What, I'm not used to this. <laughs> so we do have a, a bit of an indication of how it's going to be. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a pretty physical series based on the amount of hits in last night's game. So uh, I think St. Louis had 22 in the first period alone. So, <clears throat> you know, they were coming up playing pretty physical. And I think that was predictable. Everyone knows how physical of a team St. Louis is. So, um, But I don't want to talk about that series first. I want to talk about the Boston Carolina series well, first. Well, Okay. Because that was the first game in the in the third round, so it's it happened three days ago, I, th- I believe, because we finally got a break in the NHL schedule for the first day in since the playoffs started. Probably three weeks. There was actually a day without an NHL game. Oh, I think it was longer than that. I think it was four weeks and four days, or Is something. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there, that was the first. That was the first night off in the playoffs since it, since I started. I think it started April seventh or whatever. That's crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah. So I mean, this was a pretty. I would. I don't know if it was a close game. It was a very competitive game. I think Boston. I think the right team won. I think Boston deserved to win that game. I think I already. Do we already talk about this? I don't think we I don't did. Think we did no. I think they deserve to win that game. Um, obviously, I was cheering for Carolina, but you know Boston's playing really strong. Um, if Carolina loses Game Two, do you think they're in trouble? It depends how they lose it. I think generally yes, but there's ways they can maybe lose that game where they're not in trouble. If they lose it and it's really close, let's say it's overtime, let's say they hit a crossbar in two posts before Boston scores in overtime, mm-hmm. and Carolina's maybe dominant in the game but still loses on the scoreboard. Maybe they're not in trouble. But if they get blown out. But if, oh, if they get blown out. If, if, it's a, if it's another 5-2 game or worse, I think they are in trouble because I think Boston... Even that they're going back home? Yeah, I do. And I, there's some comfort in them being at home because they haven't lost there yet. 
They may even take one or both of those home games and tie the series even. Mm-hmm. I still doesn't think that don't think that takes them out of the danger zone. So I, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, uh, you could, it, it, you could be right. Yeah. I, they made a good point last night on the broadcast. I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Kelly Rudy, maybe. And I often do not agree with what Kelly Rudy has to say. Mm-hmm. But he made a really good point. He said it was either him or, or Kiprios. One, one of them said, you have to have a quick series in the playoffs. It's very rare, rare when a team has to play like a, a seventh game in every single series. Mm-hmm. We've seen St. Louis... You know, have some pretty long series over the, in the, in these playoffs and over the past. Uh, obviously, San Jose, uh, two two game sevens already. Um, you have to have a quick series. Maybe that series is the Stanley Cup final. It could be. So it, it could be. Is, I, is this Boston's quick series? I think it has the potential to be Boston's quick series. I think they showed with really four goals in the third period, how they can pour it on when they want to. Carolina in that game was actually ahead for much of the game. They, they were up 2-1. And then Boston... Resilient. Yeah. Resiliency. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put their foot down and said, we're not... And, and the, the first two goals, Boston basically was down 2-1, and then they were up 3-2 within a minute. Mm-hmm. There was two goals really quickly. And that was it. And it's almost like the air started to come out of uh, of Carolina there. I hope for Boston's sake that they do get this one and done quickly because I think right now, without talking about the other series in any depth, with Boston and San Jose both being up now one game to nothing, with home game wins, decisive domination mm-hmm. of, of those, at least the third period in Boston's case, I think it sets up a very, very competitive, hard-hitting, slam-bang final. And the team that has the most rest might have oh. a one or two game edge in that. What if Boston sweeps Carolina and they get that, I don't know, seven or eight day break if that other series goes long? You I think they'd rather have that. You don't think they suffer the same fate from uh, that, that the Islanders did? Too much rest? Um, no, I don't. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I, I didn't actually look at the standings, but I believe Boston would have home ice advantage, right? Boston, from this point for, on. From, yeah, from what I remember from yeah. the standings, I think Boston would have home ice advantage. So they're just sitting home waiting. Uh, I... I I think yeah. they'd be in great shape. For I don't think so. I disagree only because if it's San Jose, because San Jose is so fast that I don't think Boston, number one, I don't know, Boston can't keep up with San Jose even if they're both in shape. But if Boston gets that little bit of a break and they get a little, I don't know, get a little tired, I think they're in real trouble. Okay. But anyway. I hope you're right. Oh, I hope I'm right I too. I hope you're <laughs> right, but it's it would be a great final. Those two teams playing would be, I think, a great final series. Uh, one thing about Boston that I think is a, is an important story that not a lot of people are talking about is Tuka Rask. He's always been uh, criticized for letting the team down in the playoffs, and I think he's kind of proven people wrong, uh, at least so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been—I would say he's been their best player, even though goalies aren't players. But you know what I mean? Oh no, I, I like, think he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's. Made some tremendous saves in every single game. I wouldn't say he's really had an easy game so far in the playoffs. Some goalies have had easy games because their teams have been so good. But, um, yeah, he's been really good. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. The thing that impressed me the most about the Boston-Carolina game one was the different Brad Marchand we saw. He was totally different. And Don Cherry did mention it. Uh, But I had seen it in the game itself. When I saw that scrum over in the corner, Marchand's in there 
taking his guy, I forget the guy, taking the guy out of the scrum as if he was big daddy mm-hmm. and trying to keep the kids in line. I, I thought that, okay, <laughs> he had a serious conversation with somebody to become that person for the game. I thought it was awesome for him to do that. It was awesome, but I didn't like what Don Cherry said. He said that he was a new man or he's fixed or something like that. <laughs> I don't okay, know if he can like fix that. Five days ago, you were complaining because he punched the guy in the back of the head and now he's fixed? Like, yeah. It, Fool me once, that whole saying. Yeah, like, let's just see if it's a pattern. Exactly. Like Brad Marchand's going to do something stupid again, let's be real. So, <laughs> um, For yeah. Carolina, who do you think starts game two? Because Mrazic came back after his injury, played game one in, against Boston, but McElhaney played so well at the end of that last series. Do you think that they go with Mrazic, or do they go with McElhaney for game two? I would start Mrazic again. I would as well. I would as well. He's your guy. He is your guy, but it's nice to know you got McElhaney sitting there. Definitely. And if Carolina does very poorly against Boston in game two later today, let's say they go down 4-1 or something by the middle of the second period, then I would probably start McElhaney in the third. I agree, I agree with that. And then see. If he can shut the door and let them get a – even if they don't win, let's say they come back and lose 4-3 from a 4-1 game. With McElhaney in that, and he shuts Boston out in the third period and, and plays well – and Carolina comes back and almost wins that game, then the decision's easier. You start McElhenney in game three. Yep. I, I think that's how I would do it. I agree with that. Uh, cool. It's. I don't think there's a wrong decision for game two. No, that's right. Even if they do start McElhenney, yep. I wouldn't be upset. Nope. So there you go. There you go. Do you have any predictions for game two? I do. Oh. I think it's another... Boston victory. I think it's Oh snap. Yeah, I do. I think they're gonna win by two or three goals. It's gonna be a six three, five two, four one Dang. game like that. I think Boston sees the opportunity here. Because they know Carolina's tough to beat mm-hmm. at home. And they know that they have to win both of these games to give them the the momentum in the series that they need to have. And it but I don't know about Carolina's normal schedule. Boston plays a lot of afternoon games. Throughout the season. Throughout the season. Yeah. So I think it's not as unusual for Boston to play an afternoon game as it would be for Toronto or Montreal mm-hmm. or some team that doesn't do it very often. So they're used to whatever game time routine, meal eating, team eating, whatever they need to do, they're used to that cycle. So they, excuse me, will walk into a game mid-afternoon in Boston uh, ready to play. Is the game this afternoon? It is. Oh, interesting. It, it starts at, I think, 3 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock our time. I did not know that. Well, there. That game will be completely over by the time this podcast releases then. It could be. So your prediction will be... Uh, It'll yeah. be tested immediately. I actually agree with you uh, to an extent. I do think Boston's going to win. I think uh, Mrazic's going to bounce back and have a fantastic game, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I hope I'm wrong, but anyway. Yeah, I think Boston's going up 2 nothing in this series, which I do not like. No, I, I dislike. I do not want immensely. this to happen. But, but I'm a realist. Uh, Boston is a very, very talented team, uh, very strong team. Uh, Carolina's got nothing to be ashamed of here, and if they won, I would be most eternally grateful to the great gods of hockey. Heck yeah. However, um, Boston is looks like a team on a mission this year. Do you remember when Boston went on that big streak? I think they were like 18, 18 and two or something over it was like a month and a half or two months. Yeah, just fantastic. Uh, that was a pretty good indication of how good Boston is. They they died off a little bit near the end of the season, but uh, we're we're seeing a real good Boston team right now. So mm-hmm. I'm scared. We are. Do you think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? No. Oh. No. You think it's going to be a West team? I, th- I think the, I think it's this year it's going to be a West team, oh. regardless of who they play. I think Boston will lose in the final. I have a question for you. It's a would you rather? <laughs> would you rather? And you guys can answer this too down in the comment section. 
I guess it's it'll depend on who you, who you cheer for. But uh, would you rather have a have West teams win the Stanley Cup for ten years, or Boston win one year? We're a little East Coast biased because we're on the East Coast, so. I, as much as I'm not a fan of Boston, and I hope they don't win this year, I don't want them to lose any chance of winning for the next ten years. Were, were the other half of your scenario to come true, I wouldn't want the West to win every year for ten years. I think that's worse for the game. I agree. So I would accept Boston winning at some point, but not this year. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Actually, yeah. <laughs> right. it, it would be. I think people would lose interest in hockey. Having the West, I mean, look at what the NBA. The West has been strong for yeah. a while now. I actually have some NBA notes. I'll talk about some NBA a little bit later. But Are you really? Yeah. Wow, I better uh, bone up. Yeah. Gee. I'm going to get you alert. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. It would be boring, I think, if if the, West, if the West just won like 10 years in a row. And we all, like we saw that for a little bit. I mean, L.A. twice and then Chicago three times. It was just like, holy crap. And back in the day when Detroit was doing so well, I think yeah. they were in the Western Conference at that time. They were. So And Colorado. Yeah. And so the West has, they, they've won They've quite had a bit. their time. They've had their time. But the East has had their time too. They have. Three, the past three years have been East teams. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh twice and Washington once. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is it time for the West to regain the throne? I don't know. Well, this year I hope it is. Me too. Especially if Carolina. I don't care who win. comes out of the West. I'm cheering for them, and it doesn't matter who comes out of the East or who comes out of the West. Cheering for the West. Oh yeah. If Carolina, if it's a Carolina San Jose series, I think I will want Carolina to win just because. Well, part of me will want Carolina to win because of the story, but a large part will also want San Jose to win because they've not won a cup. And that's that, and that's why I'm cheering that's, for the West. That's a big deal. Both teams in the West have never won a Stanley Cup, and both teams in the East have won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So. And 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 same thing with St. Louis. If, if it is St. Louis, um, I will. I guess either way, I'll be cheering for the West, but more so if it's St. Louis in the West because they've been waiting. Yes. As long as Toronto, if you think of it, because Toronto won the cup in May of 1967, and St. Louis joined the league in October. Of 1967. That's true. So St. Louis has waited as long as Toronto for the next Stanley Cup win. In St. Louis's case, their first Stanley Cup win. So they're every bit as overdue as the Leafs are. And the the Blues have had their chances in the finals. They went to the finals three years in a row. I think in the late 70s. Uh, be late 60s, early 70s when they. Oh uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. Yeah. They, they've had their chances, but they. They weren't legitimate chances back then. No. They were just meat for the slaughter. Yeah, and that's the whole famous Bobby Orr goal where he jumps up in the air and stuff. That was against St. Louis. So, Yeah. Mm. And St. Louis was just the way they organized the league then. They, they, they allowed six new teams in. They stuck them all in the same division, <laughs> yeah. called it the West, even though there were some teams in that division that were east of exactly. teams that were in the east, <laughs> if you look at a map, and then just set them up as the – it's basically playing like an against an AHL team for mm. the first several years of the league. That was a joke. And then, thankfully, the Islanders and the Penguins and and the Flyers in Buffalo. the 70s and Buffalo, yeah. they started playing really well. In the case of the Islanders and the Penguins and the Flyers, they actually started winning things. Mm. And they even had, the Islanders had a four-game or a four-year dynasty. Heck yeah. Going not too long after the team was created. So that, that changed the channel a bit. But the early years of expansion in the NHL, 
There was no such thing as parody or even attempt at parody. It's the complete opposite now. Total opposite. They almost get a little bit of favoritism. Well, yeah, look at Vegas all the way to the finals. Mm. And Seattle gets to experience that in a couple of years. Actually, they, they do. I've got some Seattle notes down here, too. Ooh, okay. Boom. Okay. Um, okay, let's, let's jump over to the other series, San Jose and... Um, I have San Jose versus Boston written down here. Not yet. No, not yet. Jumping the gun there. Ignore that. I'm going to cross that out. St. Louis. My bad. Uh, I Did you watch the game last night? I did. I watched every bit of it. Um, did you think that San Jose was fast? I did. I thought they were fast. Mega um, fast. Yeah. They were, they were getting behind. St. Louis was making... Dumb mistakes that made it made San Jose look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that that giveaway by Pareco at the blue line was was just horrendous. And well, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't. Oh, it was awful. He got checked though from behind. But, but if you looked at that, there was a camera angle from down the down the ice looking back, and Tarasenko was standing out in the neutral zone, and all Pareco had to do was put it off the boards. To, to Tarasenko, and at least St. Louis would have had possession. Mm-hmm. Instead, he went in towards the center of the ice with the puck and got checked, and it never got out of the blue line, and they went in and scored. To me, that was the turning point in the whole thing right there. It was mm. just like, oh, man. And I really like Colton Pareko. Yeah. And and it was just a, a bonehead move. And and Tarasenko, he, he had no one around him. Mm. He was just standing there waiting for something to happen. And all he had to do was just go off the boards to him. Ah. St. Anyway. Louis made a lot of frustrating plays last night. Yep. A lot of giveaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also goes to credit to San Jose, too, because they're really good at forcing turnovers. Oh, well, that's right. They're so like on the spot all the time mm-hmm. and quick that you have to be careful with San Jose. Um, but you know, St. Louis played pretty physical in that, in that first period. We already mentioned that. I wish they had kept it up, though. I felt like once they stopped playing physical, they kind of let the game get away from them. Yeah. And uh, let just San Jose be dominant like they wanted to be and let them skate around. So that was really unfortunate. Uh, Martin Jones continues to play pretty well. Uh, I thought he made some important saves last night. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his best game by any means, but uh, he made some important saves. And he got deked out there by um, Riley. It was a pretty good goal. Probably the, well, it wasn't the nicest goal in the game, but it was it was pretty nice. And that was an important goal because it tied the game at 2-2. Uh, no, I think it was 3-2. Oh, sorry, 3-2, 3-2. Yeah, it was 3-1, then he made it 3-2. And they were getting back in the game, yeah. it looked like. And then, bang, bang. And that was it. But yeah. uh, no, it was, it was the first, if St. Louis could have played in the rest of the game, the way they played in the first period with all the hitting yeah, and the, and the, just the, um, just heads in the game, playing well, playing, playing quite fast and slowing San Jose down with, with, with the body. Uh, it might've been maybe a slightly different outcome, but maybe not a win, but. Man, San Jose is so impressive. That's the first game I've really watched from start to finish without fast-forwarding a lot mm-hmm. just because of the time. And I watched it all this morning. I didn't watch any of it last night. Your mother and I just watched some television, and, and I PVR'd the game. I stayed off social media. So when I got up early this morning, I watched the whole thing. Without knowing who won. Without knowing who nice. won. And that's what I like to do. And uh, I was very impressed with San Jose. What, what an incredible team uh, they've got and just so many threats. It's, it's every line. Yeah, like really. it's every line. Yeah, like Donskoy used to be in the top six. Now he's in the bottom six. Doesn't matter. He can. He can. He hasn't. He has. He's playing a different role than he did in, in the past, and he's not scoring a lot of goals. But he's a very offensive-minded player, and he can hit you. And it's like every line with San Jose. They're all fast. They can all score. They're good with a the puck. 
They like, are. Like a guy like Timo Meyer, who I see more as an agitator and a, <clears throat> and a bit of a get under the skin of the other team. He got those back-to-back goals last night. They were fabulous. Mm. Um, he's He's got real talent. And uh, Before he entered the NHL, he was lighting lighting it up in juniors and, and stuff. And uh, he got in the NHL and he was, you know, he's... It's not, it's not it's not the same game no. as it is. Mm. Uh, you're playing against men. He's only he's only 22 right now. He's still basically a kid. Uh, he, he's finally coming into his finally coming into his game. That's remember when we did our favorite players from every team. Yeah, and I said Timo Meyer. You did, so yeah. I I like him a lot. I've been following him for the past two years, so I'm glad he's finally getting success and he's mm. finally putting the puck in the back of the net. That one goal that he scored last night was beautiful. Classic well, Peter Forsberg. Well, he got two. He got he credited well, for two. The nice one, like oh, oh, the nice one, like the nice one. Yeah, the other one wasn't that nice. It was just fluky. But <laughs> and I like how San Jose and like all all good teams, they their players are now they shoot quickly, but not after they try to change the angle first. Mm-hmm. They they'll get the puck. They know they have maybe a second or a second and a half before they someone takes the puck away. So they'll skate sideways for a couple of strides and then shoot. Mm-hmm. And it works so well, so much of the time. Brent Burns does that a lot. Yeah. So does Carlson. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of Carlson, he actually had a pretty good game last night. He did. And he, the reason that I rip him so much and get so frustrated with him is really a compliment because we know how good he is. Like yeah. We've seen him a lot. We He plays to play for Ottawa. Montreal used to play Ottawa a lot. Uh, I've seen Carlson probably, I mean, then he, then they went on that run in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've been watching Carlson play hockey pretty religiously for the past eight years or something like that. So, mm-hmm. like, I've watched Carlson a lot. I know how good he is. So I get so frustrated when I see him play some crap defensive hockey, and that's what he's been doing on and off in these playoffs. But last night, he was pretty good. He was much better. Yeah. He took some big hits. Um, there was a, a point where he got a pass coming into the zone, and um, I thought he was going to just rip it. And they mentioned this on Sportsnet as well. I thought he was just going to just fire it because he's got a pretty good shot. But he kept he kept um, control of it for probably about two, three seconds, walked into the zone and took a wrist shot and nothing came of it. But like, I want to see him just light, light that thing up. <laughs> Bring it on. Get on that. Mm. Bennington was exposed for the first time in the playoffs, I would say. Uh, Were you surprised he started the third? Uh... No and yes. Okay. No. <laughs> well, that's a real committal answer, isn't it? No and yes. Try that in the, on the stand in court. See how far you get. Um, no, because he is their best goalie. Yes, because he hasn't had any rest these playoffs. Martin Jones was pulled in the first or he's pulled twice in the first four games, I think, in against Vegas. So he's had some time on, on the bench. He hasn't played every single game or all of every single game. Uh, Bennington has been there since the beginning of January playing yeah. every game, basically. So I thought that, you know, the game was probably a little bit out of reach for St. Louis in the third. I thought maybe they put Allen in just to give Bennington a rest for the next game. So I was a little surprised, but... I mean, you never want to give up in a game. Like, why would you give up in a game? There's always a chance, right? So keep bidding in, and who knows what can happen because he can win you games. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have pulled him during the play. No, but at the end of a period, there's not that skate of shame 
issue that you would have if you were pulling him after that fifth goal was scored. Mm-hmm. If you pulled him then, uh, it's there's still two and a half minutes to play in, in that period. You're not going to gain anything other than embarrassing him by yeah. pulling him. So leave him in. But then I would have, to start the third, not only to give him some rest, because he gets, even if you play a game every two days, you're only playing for 60 minutes. Uh, but to get Jake Allen some real NHL game action because you might need him. That's true. So I, I would have done that just even if, if you think, okay, the game's out of reach. And if Jake Allen could have shut the door, uh, as Bennington almost did, he only let in one more goal. And actually that was an empty netter. He didn't let in anything in the third, mm. right? So uh, he, he did play well enough to stay in and he delivered. But I think Jake Allen, I, I think I would have just said, okay, we're going to write this game off. Uh, we're not going to win it, so let's give Jake some ice time. But, you could have made the decision. Would you have? Uh, would you have asked Bennington if he wanted? If, would you give? Would have given him given him the the decision to make himself? Likely so, and I think that's probably what happened. Frankly, I, I think they probably asked him, "Look, uh, we'd be happy to give you some rest," and he probably said, "No, I want to go back out." Mm-hmm. And that's probably why he was back out. I'm sure they wouldn't have made the decision to keep him in or put him or take him out without him being part of it. So that's probably what did happen. He probably said, no, please leave me in. Hmm. But, you know, that's what, uh, that's what goalies are like, even when they're struggling. I don't think he was necessarily soft on those goals. No, I don't think, I don't think so either. There was, there was one for me that was a bit questionable. Uh, the fluky one, I mean, you can't blame him for that. Uh, he made an incredible save on that Pavelski goal. Uh, I think it was Pavelski or Kutcher, I can't remember. The one word, he saved it with his toe and then it came up and then he hit it out of the air a couple times. That was unreal. That was uh, that was Pavelski and that was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he hit it, I think, actually three times with yeah. his stick in the air. And the first save was, un- was, was incredible. Like, you can't blame him for that. Fantastic. And the first goal that he let in, he was out of position. That was the St. Louis defensive breakdown. They didn't prevent the pass across. Exactly. And he was lined up for the shooter. And he, he has to take the shooter. He has to take the shooter. And and that pass, there was an attempt to block that pass across, but it didn't succeed. Yeah. And then Couture got it, and that was there was no. I could have scored that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's bad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think about St. Louis pulling the goalie with five minutes left? Roughly five minutes left. I would have. Yeah. I think that's a classic Patrick Waugh move. <laughs> you're down by two, uh, and look what happened in the ensuing let's say three minutes of play. Honestly, they almost scored. They were. <laughs> They were swarming. They were all around. Yeah. And, and San Jose couldn't do anything. And when they finally did get the puck out, it was icing the first time. Yeah. So they had to sit back in there. Of course, they tried to drag their feet and delay a little bit. You know, hopefully I have a broken stick here. It was a long sequence. It felt like a long sequence in between the pulling of the goalie and the couture goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a long. Like th- It was three minutes. It was a really smart play. Super risky, obviously, yep. but really smart. I mean, you're down by two goals at that point. You have to t- You have to. Like, what, have what to. else are you going to do? You got to. Go you can't it. just wait and think you're going to get two goals in the last three minutes. Yeah. You're going to get two goals maybe in the last five. And it's happened before where that has succeeded. Absolutely. So let's do it. And it, it was the right move and it almost worked. Yeah. I, I definitely kudos uh, to St. Louis for giving that a go. That's You don't see that very often. No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Good job. That was good. I don't have anything else to say for that series. I'm excited for game two. I am too. Um, I'll be more excited for games three and four because they'll be at a time zone where I might even get, get to watch some of them live. But uh, these games out in the West Coast, they, they're they killing me. They're killing me. Now, last night's game wasn't because... I was going to say, that started at 9, nine o'clock. That's only because it was on a weekend. If, like, if that goes on a weeknight, I think they're they're playing... I don't think they're starting... I don't know. I'm going to find out. 
I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out right now. I'm going to find out right now. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Tuesday. Well, okay, let's look at Monday's game. Monday's game starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. So that's I guess we can't. We don't know if there's going to be game five. Yeah, that's ten, that's ten o'clock our time, uh, Atlantic. That's that's okay. Maybe I can get a period out of that. Okay, game five, the first game back in San Jose. Do you want to want to know what time it's at? Well, it's on a weekend. <laughs> it's on a weekend, so it's going to be like in the afternoon or something. Okay, so that doesn't help. Game seven. Go show me game seven. At ten p.m. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> May twenty third. May twenty third. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway. See if there's any breaks. No, there's no breaks. No breaks. Well, Friday night there's a break uh, on the 24th. There's no one playing. Well, that's because both series are over at that point. We don't know. <laughs> just just testing you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to say for those two series. I don't think I do either. Okay, cool. All right. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Did you, are you following the um, OHL at all? Uh, I hear the scores in my head once in a while, but I'm not following. What do you mean you hear the scores in your head? Well, I hear them talking about it, and, and it goes in my head, and it goes in one ear and goes out the other. Oh, I thought you so meant I, like you had voices in your head, and they were just making up the scores. No, my voices don't talk about hockey. Uh, what do they talk about? <laughs> the end of the earth. No, oh, I, I don't have voices in my head. I don't have voices in my head. Yeah, right. Shh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guelph was up 3-2 in that series the against... Guelph Storm. Yeah. Oh. Heck yeah. Mm. Boom. Neat. They can end it soon. Wow. And that's with Nick Suzuki, isn't it? Yep. Definitely. That's all I have to say about the OHL. I just wanted to bring that information into your head. Um, Seattle. Have you heard the news out of Seattle? Um, I've heard that they have won an NHL franchise for expansion in a couple of years. Well, you are informed of the news from six months ago. Breaking news. Yeah, no. What, what's the latest out of Seattle? The team has created a fan portal website with polls Okay, you can go to and, and vote on stuff. Um, so you can vote on stuff like jerseys, color, team name, all that stuff. What do you want to eat at the arena? What kind of music you want to listen to? <laughs> they're, they're just putting out a general, a bunch of general polls just to find out what the fans and what hockey fans want for the team. And they did one poll on Twitter. It was about the team name they had four options one with one was what do you want the team name to be uh like i don't know like inspired by basically so mythical creatures uh things that eat canucks uh i can't remember the other two anyways mythical creatures won the vote so right if if they listen to what people want we might get kraken which is awesome I know you hate that. I hate it. I hate it. It'd be epic. Can you imagine the the potential logo? Yeah. It would look great. Yeah. And the the mascot oh, and yeah. the chance. Oh, it'd be great. And the like oh my it'd be it'd be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. uh you guys can go to that site if you want. It's SeattleNHLfans.com and you can vote on on everything. So pretty fun. <laughs> you don't get to see the results though, which kinda sucks, but um, the NBA, you follow anything going on? I am not. Do you know there's two game sevens today? Toronto's one of them. Yeah. Uh, is it Cleveland they're playing? No. No. See, like <laughs> I, I really, uh, who is it? Philadelphia. Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. Yeah. I they're don't, back in Toronto, right? They play in Toronto, yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't follow basketball throughout the season that much. I'll watch the odd game. 
but I do like to watch playoff basketball. And uh, there's two game sevens on today. I was I planned on watching the other game, which was the um, Portland Denver game because it's on this afternoon. But but yeah. I didn't realize that there was a Boston <laughs> um, Carolina game on. So that that game seven, that first game seven, and and the NBA will have to be tossed out the door. I won't be able to watch that. So mm. yeah, but I will watch the Toronto. Is that uh, happening tonight? It's happening tonight. Yeah, I think it starts at eight. Okay, maybe our time. Mm. Or nine or time, yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't mentally engage with basketball. I just can't do it. Now, when there's, like, the NCAA tournament. March Madness? You know, the Sweet 16, March Madness, the Final Four, the Elite Eight, and all that. Um, I'm not so much watching the play as I am trying to capture the spirit, what's going on inside the, uh, the, the, the court, the arena, whatever it is. And I just love the energy in those games. Yeah, and there's a lot of good stories, too. There is. Because there's up-and-coming and there's some darn good, good Canadians that are playing yeah. uh, in, in U.S. college basketball right now. And a lot of the U.S. fans probably don't know they're Canadians, but we do. Mm-hmm. And we follow them. And uh, we, we as a country, not me so much. But uh, it's great to see our college players uh, doing so well. They get they get drafted, I guess, picked up down there, offered scholarships, and away yeah. they go. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you should watch the game tonight. Yeah, well, Game of Thrones is on. That's the game I'll be watching, the one of Thrones, not the one ain't of Balls. nobody get time for that. Oh, man. Like, literally, ain't nobody get time for that. Like, I need... Only two episodes left. I need to watch the whole thing, but I literally don't have time for that because every episode's an hour. There's, like, seven seasons. Every season has how many episodes? Like, nine or ten. It's It's not massive. It's not massive. That would take me months to watch. I could get even if I if I started right now and like legitimately binged it and watched five or six episodes a day, I don't think that I would get through it all by the time the last episode airs from the season. It would be tough. Yeah, it'd be tough. To, and, to have a life and still do that. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you see if there's no videos releasing for the next three weeks, you know what I'm doing. But you would probably have a much better grasp of the series than people like us who watch That's it. True for two or three months and then have a nine-month gap and then watch it for two or three months, forgetting that, oh, yeah, that one's dead now and that person's married to so-and-so and this person used to be a bad guy, but now they're a good guy. Like, it's there's a lot of that going on and if mm-hmm. you, you have to catch up to the series every year and refresh your memory. You almost have to watch the last episode from the previous year to figure out where you're at so, so it'll make sense when you watch the first episode of the new season. If you binged it, you wouldn't have that problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could try, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I actually don't have anything to watch right now, so. Oh, well, that's what you got to do. You got to. I got to? You got to. How am I going to watch it? It's on Netflix, isn't it? Heck no. It's HBO, isn't it? Okay, well, then you can go on Crave. Crave probably goes back to season one, I would think. I think so. How much is Crave? How much is it? Mm. We've got it. Oh. So I don't Heck know. Yeah. Like, for you, it's nothing. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. funny. Okay, I'll give it a go. I hope you do. How do we get onto this again? Oh, game. The game, word game. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, I don't have any other notes other than that. You're going to get us a copyright strike. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't have anything, I don't have anything else. Say. For the entire podcast? Yeah, I got nothing. Get out of town. You get out of town. Look, you got nothing over there on those notes. 
Well, I don't need notes. It's all right. Oh, it's all right up in here. Well, okay. Well, hook me up. All right. With some knowledge. Get me learned. Uh, James Holzhauer. Okay. Who's that? He's that guy who has been just tearing Jeopardy all to pieces in the last few Right, weeks. that guy. Looks like uh, Philip DeFranco. <laughs> <coughs> that was funny, apparently. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still wrestling with this cold. Man cold. My man, it's a... It's a legit cold. It's a man, it is a man cold. No, it's not. It's a legit cold. Um, to me, a man cold is not a real cold. It's just something a man has when he's trying to get sympathy from his female. <laughs> like they talk about the man flu. The same thing. No. Well, there might be such a thing, but that's not what I got. What do you got? I got the real deal. I'm drinking orange juice. Oh, okay. I'm not drinking my usual Coke Zero. What were you drinking last video? That was two days ago. During the worst part of your cold. Coke Zero. That was just for my throat, though. It was for my voice. And and it didn't who work drinks, all that well. Who drinks pop for their voice? You got to. It's, it's, it's an astringent. It helps to keep things the clear. carbonation? Yeah, the carbonation helps keep things clear. Okay. Now, my voice is still very postmenopausal right now. <laughs> okay. I sound like an old lady. All right. But um, at least with the orange juice, I'm imbibing some vitamin C to help ward off the, the root effect all of right. my cold. James Holsauer. Yeah. There's a bit of controversy about him. Oh? There's no there's no doubt that he's a brilliant guy and he has an amazing brain for facts and he's doing well. But his tactics on the game are very much being criticized by a lot of people. Because he always goes for the highest question first and... Yeah, he goes for the highest amount. He's very cutthroat. Uh, if you can be such a thing in Jeopardy. Um, I get a I get a kick out of some sports where they try to inject aggression into it. It's like golf. Tiger Woods is really leading a charge right now. He's leading a charge. No, he's walking up the course with a guy holding his bag, yeah. <laughs> and he's walking slowly. He's not charging. Yeah. Anyway, but this guy uh, he starts at the high high end categories. Well, what's the problem with that? There's nothing there's nothing illegal or technically wrong with it, but he's just playing so different than most players Good. are playing. And and then these new players come in. Mm -hmm. They don't know him because they've been sitting in the green room while he's been tearing up the show. And they walk in, never heard of him before, even though the rest of the world has seen him for two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, these these games are all taped well in advance, of course. So his run is probably technically over by now. Good grief, I hope it is. But since he taped this two months ago or whenever it was, he can't talk about it. Mm. Um, but anyway, these people walk in and they start playing the game the old traditional way. You know, I'll take Flowers of America for 200, Alex. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, he goes into the 1,000 category the second he gets control of the board. And because he's so smart, he gets it right. And then he just goes, does all the thousands, all the 800s, all the 600s, until he finally starts cracking into those daily doubles. And then he bets everything. He ends up at the end of the regular game before even final Jeopardy, and he's got $50,000. <laughs> and the two people beside him, one's got... One's got 4800 and the other one's got $7. Yeah. And it's a total runaway. So he knows that the second place guy, if he doubles his bet, can only get to, let's say, 9000 He's got fifty grand, so he bets $40,000. So even if he loses and the other guy wins, he still wins. Mm -hmm. And then he gets it right. So now he's got <laughs> 90000 And he does it every damn day. How much money is he up to? He's up to $1.6 million. Wow. I think now. And he's played like 20 games. He's already been basically offered a job, eh? I didn't know that. By an MLB team? Oh, doing like their, yeah, yeah. their money ball stuff? Yeah, basically. Oh. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't remember what team it was, but I saw the headline. So That's his profession. He's a sports gambler in Vegas. That's what his job is. So I don't know what they're going to do. Like they, they can't legitimately get rid of him prematurely. Why not? Because it wouldn't be fair for, for them to change the rules or something. Now, they could make him an offer. Let's say, James, we'll write you a check for $3 million right now if you walk away. And if he was smart, Is he that, would say, yeah. no, <laughs> I'm staying. <laughs> I guess. Because the way he's playing now, he's he's going to make that much money. Uh, he's he's incredible. He, could, uh, he should leave and come back. Like when they do their whole best winners of... Yeah, tournament of champions. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, he will anyway right now. He should get paid off and leave, go make a bunch of money in the MLB, and then come back and make a bunch more money. <laughs> but I don't think he can do that. Like, he can't leave and come back as a regular player. No, I mean come back in the tournament champions. Yeah, which he will anyway, yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, he'll probably stick around. If he can make – if you look at the hourly rate of pay for each yeah. – he's making – in a sense, he's in – 20 games, he's basically played 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So for 10 hours work, he's made $1.6 million. So he's making $160,000 an hour. That's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad at all. Is that taxed? Yes. Although less in Nevada. Is that where it's filmed? No, but that's where he lives. So I think in the States, you're paid, you, you are uh, charged income tax on where you live as opposed to where you earn the money, I think. He's probably living in the best state for that. Yeah, I think Nevada, Florida, I think there's one other state that, that has a low or very low uh, federal sale or federal income tax hmm. or state income yeah, tax. Yeah, I think Florida is that one because we see that in the NHL with yeah. contracts and stuff. I think – Yeah. is it Tennessee? I think it could be because I think Nashville has that advantage yes, too. Yes, I think it yeah, might be You could Tennessee. be right. Um, but anyway, he will get taxed some for sure. And yeah. maybe you do pay it in uh, in California rates. I hope not. Do we get taxed on winnings in Canada? Um, like if you went on Jeopardy. If I went on Jeopardy. $1.6 million. I think I would get a waiver for, I wouldn't get an IRS tax, but then I'd have to report the income in Canada and I'd get taxed up here. Even as a winning? Yeah. Like if we win the lottery here, we're not taxed on it, are we? Not on the lottery, no. The lotteries uh, in Canada have, a, the official ones at least, have a special arrangement with Revenue Canada or CRA. And it wouldn't be the same thing. Would not be the same thing. So if you win the lottery, which is totally a game of chance, you don't have to pay tax on that. Okay. But if you win a contest where you actually are showing skill, then there would be tax. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's convoluted. The government finds any way it can to get your money, except in New Hampshire when you're buying things. Yeah. Or no New Jersey sales. when you're buying clothes. No, so no tax on clothes in no New sales Jersey. No tax on clothes in New Jersey. Well, there. There you go. It used to be that way even in New Brunswick. It, I think. Um, for a while, like we're talking, we're going back thirty or forty years. There was a tax exemption on school kids' stuff. So whether it was clothing for school kids or That's school weird. supplies, just trying to make it I easier. I mean, it makes for, sense, but it's it makes sense, but it would be hard to hard track. to hard to yeah very hard to track. Yeah, I'm going to buy a bunch of scribblers, but I'm not going to take them to school. But I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this: Yeah, if you won ten million dollars, mm-hmm. would you quit? Would you quit your job? Probably. Would you continue to make videos on the internet with me? Um, That's a no. <laughs> no, no, it, it's not a it's not a hard no. But not as uh, frequently. I don't know. I, I might have more time to make videos with you, right? Would you make different kinds of videos? Oh yeah, I'd make different kinds of videos. You would step out of the hockey realm. I would. 
and make? I would do. What kind of a use? I would start up a production company. Oh. I would start up a production company that would, I, I would rent a building somewhere in the town I lived in, which probably would be here. And I would get a warehouse or something and I'd set up a production company. I'd do the Lincoln Rhett thing and uh, I'd have people. You'd have people. I'd have people. I'd have, I would maybe do a, I'd do a weather show like with, you know, like Frankie McDonald does, or I'd, I would do one about uh, my ham radio thing. I would do hockey stuff with you if you wanted me so to. So it would just be like a big film studio with a couple different sets. Yeah. And you could just make videos on for the internet? Yeah, for the internet or even for studios if you want to buy stuff. I would, uh, I would want to have the time and I, and if i had 10 million dollars i'd have the time to finish the books i'm writing particularly yeah. my my fiction book it's getting closer and closer all the time to me having to get this book out before something happens what do you mean before something happens before the thing i'm writing about actually takes place not nothing that happened to me but. so we've talked about this book a little bit in the past yeah. uh we've gotten some new subscribers since then oh that's right i guess we have do you want to give them just a quick version of what you're writing about all right very good be happy to. It's a book that's a, it's fictional, but it's based on true possibility. So it's it's not an Anne McCaffrey dragon novel or anything that calls up mythical mm-hmm. characters. It's a it's quasi science fiction, and essentially what it's about is how w- the world, but in particular America and Canada, would handle the effects of a massive solar flare eruption. And, and the damage it would do to our electronic infrastructure. Mm. So how would we manage to protect ourselves against that, or in the case that we can't, uh, mitigate the damage and try to recover or maintain our society, our economy, our systems of government and safety and healthcare and whatnot in light of uh, what's going on in the sun. And it's all based on practical, realistic science. Absolutely. Kind of like the book The Martian that was eventually made into the movie with Matt Damon. Yeah. Totally based on practical uh, on science. On what we know now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's probably what interests me the most about it is that it's actually legitimately a possibility and everything in the book is real. Like Everything in the book is, is real. And the, the, the scary part of it is uh, the longer it takes me to finish this book and get it out there, and, and I'm going to shop it to publishers first, and hopefully someone will pick it up and do all the work. <laughs> but if, if no one accepts it, if it's rejected everywhere, like Andy Weir was rejected yeah. with The Martian, I, I'll self-publish it. I'll throw it on Heck yeah. a Kindle and, and chuck it on Amazon and let people just download it and read it. It's not about making money. It's about, for me, it's about ringing the alarm bell and raising awareness. So yeah. um, this last couple of weeks, uh, there was an article in Popular Science Magazine quoting a few people that I follow on Twitter, talking about the increasing chances of, like the, the chances of a flare aren't getting any higher, but the time that goes since the last flare is getting longer and longer, and just by, by its very nature, when something happens once every 100 years. Yeah, uh, and it'll happen. And it's been 150 years since the last one, and it happens once every 100 years, you have to start wondering when it's going to happen. There's yeah. actually a 10% chance that within the next 10 years, the kind of flare that I'm writing about actually happens. Mm. And if it does and we're not ready, the GPS satellites will get knocked out. Our telecommunications, Earth-based uh, 
communications that go out to satellites, your EchoStar, your DISH network, all of your linkages that you have now between, mm-hmm. between continents that go through space, they'll be knocked out. The electrical power grids in many places will be knocked out. We will be back into the 1800s. Like it'll take literally decades to recover from. Decades. Decades. So I'm writing the book in the context of regular, ordinary people who are some some of whom are a little scientifically savvy and they see this coming. And I'm also writing it, you know, m- much of the book takes place in the Oval Office of the White House mm. when the president gets advised. So from different perspectives. Different perspectives. There's a, a media perspective. There's two journalists that are my main protagonists. They work for a newspaper based in Washington, D.C., and they start hearing uh, little snips of information. They're getting leaks and brown envelopes from anonymous sources that – there is a forecast out there mm-hmm. of this going to happen on a certain time and a certain date. And they start poking around. So there's the political issues, there's media issues, and there's scientific issues because there are there's a team of government scientists uh, who see this coming and the book explores how they handle it too. Interesting. So yeah. What's it going to be called? It's going to be called Flare. 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 All right. And the cover of the book, which hopefully you will help design, will just be a great big lick of flame coming off the surface of the sun. Oh, snap. And maybe some dead power lines in the foreground. Mm. All right. So when can we expect that, realistically, if you don't win $10 million? Yeah, I guess the most realistic. Um, Now that I'm settled down on my job really well, and I'm comfortable doing it, and I know how much time I have in my off times. Uh, This summer coming, I plan to spend a lot of time at it. Uh, I might even take a week or two off this winter, and there's a cottage, there's a set of cottages uh, in Nova Scotia Mm -hmm. that is one of many places I might be able to possibly rent. Seclusion. Seclusion, and just go. I need some place that has internet because there's some research I'm still doing Mm -hmm. on it. But... uh, I basically have the whole idea of the book from start to finish in my head now. So it's just a matter of filling in the blanks, fleshing out the scenes, developing the characters a little yeah. further, making sure my story arcs uh, are proper and intersect in the right places. And uh, and so that's just a matter of just getting some quiet time to do that work. Interesting. I'd like to have something deliverable to a publisher within a year. Nice. Yeah. And this is one of three books you're writing. Yes. Yeah. The other ones aren't as interesting, in my opinion. They're not. Not at all. They're well. They're not. They're well, nonfiction. One's kind of interesting. I think so. The pre- president, prostitute, and pirate, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The, pi- the 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 pirate, the prostitute, and the president. Yeah. That's yeah. What it is. Which is essentially uh, it's our family tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's nonfiction, but it's it's a book that will not only outline what what we have discovered, but how we discovered it and what other people can use from our journey of discovery in doing their own genealogical research and family history. Hmm. There you go. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add before we end this? Uh, I really don't. Um, I delivered to you just earlier today all of my uh, vlogging from the trip I did to New Hampshire. Right. And it's mainly, it's in your hands now just to look through it. And I'd be happy to give you some storyboard ideas as to what I think ought to go in what order, but uh, you're the you're the video produ- production guy, so it really depends on your availability. Thanks for throwing that job in my lab. Uh, no problem. I'm not going to spend a lot of time like doing music and crazy edits no. and all that stuff. I'm just going to throw it together. 
so you're going to publish that on your channel, I think. I am. Yeah. You, you have a YouTube channel. I do. You have a video with over 20,000 views. 21,000 views on one of my satellite videos. I bet you guys didn't know that. <laughs> what? That's so, crazy. Go check out Brent here on, on YouTube. I don't, what's your, is it just Brent Taylor? Uh, if you just did a Brent Taylor or VY2HF, my, uh, my call sign. I don't think my, I did create the YouTube shortcut because I have enough views now that uh, I could do that, but yeah. I don't know what, I haven't looked at it for a while. So. Okay. So you go to YouTube and search Brent VY2HF and. Off it comes. Off it comes. So yeah, go check out his channel, subscribe, and um, you'll see that video probably in the next week or so. I hope so. Did you actually like vlog with the camera and talk to it and stuff? I did. Heck yeah. I did. I For some of the trip, I had it sitting on the dash of the of the car looking back at me. I also uh, gave you a couple of uh, bits of dash cam footage. Plus, I oriented the camera looking out the window along like when I was going through the flooded areas of New Brunswick. So you could okay. see how high the water was and, some, and going through Fredericton, some of the, the driftwood and stuff that's right beside the road going up to the Westmoreland Street Bridge. Mm-hmm. And I uh, did a bit of walking around with the camera uh, at the fairgrounds in Deerfield and did a lot of B-roll. There's most, mostly what you'll see there is B-roll. So it's so, going to be a fairly boring video. Oh, yeah, fairly boring. It'll be narrated mostly by me, but then you can insert the B-roll Oh, wait, you're going to narrate it? Well, it's narrated now, essentially. Oh, you're talking while you're filming. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But I could add studio narration as well if you needed us, uh, mm. needed that. I could do some uh, linkage. Mm. audio if you know if you needed it but all right sounds yeah. good Alrighty. all right well uh sorry the m- most of this podcast wasn't hockey related but uh there's not a lot to talk about and we haven't done a having a yak in a while which is our other podcast so mm-hmm. we get a bit of both worlds in this one so um yeah thanks for listening if you are listening this far we really appreciate it um if you're not subscribed hope you can hit the subscribe button uh, make sure you go subscribe to his channel as well i uh, hope you're having a good day and watching lots of hockey and maybe some basketball tonight and we'll see you in the next podcast Adios.